Grace and peace, love and mercy from God our Father, through Jesus Christ our risen Savior and Lord. Amen. The text for our meditation as we celebrate the festival of the martyrdom of St. John the Baptist, the gospel reading Mark 6, 14 to 29, I share these words. For it was Herod who had sent and seized John and bound him in prison for the sake of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, because he had married her. For John had been saying to Herod, it is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. And Herodias had a grudge against him and wanted to put him to death, but she could not. For Herod feared John, knowing that he was a righteous and holy man, and he kept him safe. When he heard him, he was greatly perplexed, and yet he heard him gladly. But an opportunity came when Herod, on his birthday, gave a banquet for his nobles and military commanders and the leading men of Galilee. For when Herodias' daughter came in and danced, she pleased Herod and his guests. And the king said to the girl, Ask me for whatever you wish, and I will give it to you. And he vowed to give her whatever you ask me, up to half my kingdom. And she went out and said to her mother, For what should I ask? And she said, The head of John the Baptist. And she came in immediately with haste to the king and asked, saying, I want you to give me at once the head of John the Baptist on a platter. And the king was exceedingly sorry. But because of his oaths and his guests, he did not want to break his word to her. And immediately the king sent an executioner with orders to bring John's head. He went and beheaded him in prison and brought his head on a platter and gave it to the girl. And the girl gave it to her mother. When his disciples heard of it, they came and took his body and laid it in a tomb. Your brothers and sisters in Christ. It was in 1966 when an Anglican theologian by the name of Joseph F. Fletcher wrote a book and coined a phrase that has become very popular in America. The title of his book was Situation Ethics, The New Morality. Situation Ethics. Maybe you've heard that term before. I bounced it off the catechism class tonight and they all looked at me clueless. While they may not know the term, they certainly know what it is. Situation ethics means that there are no fixed rules. There are no standards of right and wrong. Nothing has binding authority. Everything depends on the circumstances. The end justifies the means. 
actions change depending on what's going on in life. The dictionary says it this way. Flexibility in the application of moral law according to circumstances. Flexibility. Flexibility on what's right and what's wrong. Since 1966, this has grown and grown and grown. And even if we don't use that term, situation ethics anymore, we know what it has led to. It has led to the resistance movement, where you get to pick and choose what rules you want to obey. It has led to sanctuary cities where whole cities and communities say, come on in, the rules don't apply to you here. Maybe you're not part of the resistance. Lincoln, at least not yet, is not a sanctuary city. But you know very, very well what situation ethics are and how they apply. You ever been in traffic? People bobbing and weaving in traffic? People running red lights or turning left on right yeah, left on red when they don't think anybody's coming? This is situation ethics. Their situation of being in a hurry or being late for school or late for work or late for an appointment overcomes right and wrong. The speed limit. Stoplights. You know what I mean. We see it. We live it. Maybe we participate in it every day. Situation ethics, when it comes to our stuff, when it comes to our possessions, we want to keep more of what we have. So when it comes time to do our taxes, oh, maybe we fudge a little bit. Maybe we just outright lie. After all, I can use that money more or better than the government. When it comes to our possessions, oh, it's just a sheet of paper. It's just a pen or a pencil. It's just a paper clip. And before long, the little things become big things. After all, I work hard. I deserve it. The situation determines what's right and what's wrong. Let's get a little more personal. How about God's gift of sexuality? Our world today would say there is no objective right or wrong. If it feels good, do it. And it doesn't matter who you do it with. You get to decide. The situation is right, go for it. You only live once. Maybe, maybe situation ethics bite you in the mouth. 
and in the tongue. It seems like we have an epidemic in our world of lying. We say what we think people want to hear. We say half-truths. And then we justify what we do because, after all, we don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. The situation determines whether we're going to tell the truth or not. Whether we're going to tell the truth, the whole truth, or nothing but the truth. The bottom line with regard to situation ethics is there is no such thing as absolute truth. There is no such thing as absolute right and wrong. This is the world we live in. This is what the unholy trinity of the devil, the world, and that old Adam or old Eve that lives inside of us, our sinful flesh, wants us to believe. Tonight, the first official night of confirmation midweek classes here at Good Shepherd. What do you think Pastor Moline and I teach to the kids? It's up to you what you want to do. Pick and choose what rules you want to follow. You don't run your household that way, do you? God does not run His church that way either. My friends, there is such a thing as absolute truth. There is such a thing as right and wrong. And whenever you confess that there is truth and there is right or wrong, you always have a bullseye on your back. Always. We learned this hard lesson from our gospel reading for tonight. The martyrdom of John the Baptist recorded for us in Mark chapter 6. We know John the Baptist. We talk a lot about him during the season of Advent, right? Crazy clothes, crazy diet, crazy message. Repent, for the kingdom of God is here. Jesus walks along the shore, the banks of the Jordan River. Look ye there, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John the Baptist, who looks at Jesus and says, He, Jesus, must increase. I, John, must decrease. John, a bold preacher of the word, calling people to repentance. And when it came time to preach the truth of God's word, John was not easily swayed. In fact, he not only called the average Joe or Mary to repentance, he called the king and his wife to repentance. 
King Herod was a master of situation ethics. He didn't like his wife, so he got rid of her. He found someone else to be his wife. It didn't matter to him that she was married to his brother. The situation told him right or wrong. And John said, sin, repent. You know, there are only two reactions. When a preacher preaches the truth. Either people hear it and believe it, or they hear it and hate it. John's new wife, Herodias, she hated it. She didn't like to be called an adulteress. She didn't like the fact that John kept preaching and kept preaching the truth. She wanted the truth silenced. Herod, eh, you know, he could kind of go either way. I kind of like this John. Oh, I don't like everything he says. But some of the things he says are, are really pretty good. I'm kind of curious. I'm going to keep him around. At least as a novelty. But maybe more. Maybe, just maybe, he is speaking the truth. And that's where we get to the king's birthday party. John is in prison. Every once in a while, Herod brings out his pet and they have a discussion. When things get a little too close to home, what does Herod do? Back to jail, John. Herod, the master of situation ethics, throws a party for himself. After all, it's all about me. That's what really underlies situation ethics, isn't it? The worship and idolatry of self. He has a party. He wants his stepdaughter to dance. And oh, does she dance. Herod, thinking about situation ethics, says, hey, I got rid of my former wife. I can do it again. Salome, you dance so beautifully. I'll give you anything you want. In fact, up to half the kingdom. In other words, you can be my new wife. What should I do, mom? Here's our chance to silence the truth. Herod had an opportunity to do the right thing. Herod had an opportunity to say, no, enough of this. But he was more concerned about breaking his word on a foolish oath than he was doing the right thing. My friends, truth is real. The truth 
of God's Word has been revealed to us in the Holy Scriptures, the Bible. The truth of right and wrong, God's holy law. Thou shalt, thou shalt not. It is not up for debate. It does not evolve with the time and the culture. Right is always right. Wrong is always wrong. 24 hours a day. I remember when my oldest brother was teaching me to drive. And we were on the back roads, the gravel roads of Cumming County. I'm driving down the road. He's sitting in the passenger seat drinking an adult beverage. About this time of the year, the corn is high. I came to a stop sign in the middle of nowhere. And I did what just about everybody does in the whole world, right? I slowed down a little bit and kept right on going. He said, little brother, pull over. I thought the adult beverage had caught up with him. I pulled over. He looked at me and he pointed his finger at me and he says, stop means stop 24 hours a day. My friends, God's word, God's holy law, the moral law, the Ten Commandments is true. 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. It is not open for debate, and the situation does not determine right or wrong. This is the truth. And this truth is a truth we want to avoid because this truth condemns us. This truth shows us our sin. This truth hurts. But my friends, this is not the only truth that God has revealed to us. He has revealed to us the truth of the gospel. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus, the truth incarnate, takes all of our sin, all of our lying, all of our situational ethics into himself to Calvary's cross, bleeding and dying and three days later rising. Jesus rises from the dead, never to die again, and this truth has set you free. Your sins are forgiven. You are baptized into the truth of Good Friday and Easter Sunday. You have been set free from lies. You have been set free from situation ethics. You have been set free from all of the sins that bind you. God has given you a new heart. A new heart that wants to hear the truth. A new heart that wants to live in the truth. A new heart that no matter what the circumstance or situation, hears God's Word and obeys. 
And when in our weakness of sin we fall short, we know the truth. I, a poor, miserable sinner, confess unto thee all my sins and iniquities. We don't try to hide it. We don't try to explain it away. We humble ourselves before the Word of God. We hear His Word of forgiveness and the new life that only He can bring. My friends, not only is the truth real and absolute, this truth, the truth of God's Word, is the only thing worth fighting and dying for. John the Baptist gave up his head. Our world is changing around us. The resistance movement, sanctuary cities, people hating and despising the truth are growing and growing and growing in popularity. How long, how long before we here are attacked for believing and teaching the truth? I don't know. But God will give us the strength to hear it, to believe it, to follow it, and to teach it to our children and our children's children and a generation yet unborn. May God grant it to us for Jesus' sake. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which far surpasses all understanding, keep our hearts, our minds, our ears, and our confession in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.